the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. This fall is shaping up to be an incredible time to be a sports fan, and there's no better place to get breaking news, real time commentary, and powerful stories than The Athletic. Personalize your app with favorite teams and leagues, get an ad free experience like none else for access to all the stories at the heart of this game. Visit theathletic.com slash track for 40% off your first year subscription today. Happy Monday morning. My name is Mike Giannetti. We are 24 hours from the NFL trade deadline. We'll talk a little bit about that. We're also halfway through the NFL season. We're going to bring in Scott Allen and talk about some of the midpoint question marks, some of the ups and downs, lots of quarterback conversations to be had across the league here. And uh, like I said, some of those players that may be on the move, teams that are buying, teams that are selling, teams that have value, teams that definitely do not have value right now heading towards week nine. And uh, I just want to start a little bit with Major League Baseball, which, oh, by the way, starts free agency today, right now. The uh, options have been decided upon. Qualifying offers have been extended. I believe there's six players out there. You can check on the website. A couple of notable ones. You know, your Carlos Correa's, or excuse me, your George Springer's, your Marcus Stroman's, Trevor, Trevor Bauer, of course. And uh, one surprise, Kevin Gosman, giant starting pitcher. He's got a $18.9 million qualifying offer to decide on. That may be a situation where he accepts it, plays out the one-year contract on the $19 million in terms of salary, but we shall see. Free agency is here. There's some pretty good names. I'll still uh, stay away from diving in too much on that for about uh, two, three days here. We're going to bring in somebody on Thursday probably and talk a little bit about, about how the baseball contracts are looking. It's going to be a little bit of a down year in terms of how free agency looks. But here's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the compensation on these qualifying offers because it's not really easy, but kind of important. Here's what happens. So I said we had six players that were offered the qualifying offer. They have the opportunity to accept or decline. Most of the time they decline. This year it's 18.9 million. Like I said, maybe Gosman accepts that with the Giants and plays it out. Um, We had Jake Witteruzzi do that last year with Minnesota. That's pretty much it. So it's not likely that, you know, the Trevor Bowers, of course, who are slated to make double that are going to play on this. So what does that mean? What it means is when, when the player declines the qualifying offer, it means they go sign somewhere else, but the losing team now gets some compensation, a draft pick. So in order to sign Trevor Bauer, so let's say Bauer declines the offer from Cincinnati, goes and signs $30 million with the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, which I think is very possible. It means the Angels have to forfeit a high draft pick just to sign him because of the tender that's been placed on him and the Cincinnati Reds will gain a competitive draft pick, okay? If the player signs for at least $50 million, the losing team will be awarded a pick between the first round and the competitive balance round, which is basically like the 32nd pick in the draft, you know, around there. If it's for less than $50 million, we wait until after the second round. So it's like 65-ish. That's how it works. So Trevor Bauer signing for 30 million actually hurts the Reds. So if he's truly going to take this one-year deal that he's been talking about now for a couple of years, it's going to mean a worse draft pick for the Reds in terms of compensation. But it's also going to make him easier to sign. So catch 22, because that's what happened, right? We saw a bunch of players the past couple of seasons who were offered these qualifying offers, floated out to free agency, Nobody wanted to touch them because they don't want to forfeit a 30, you know, the, the number 32 pick in the draft. They don't want to do that. So we'll see. Um, you know, there are certain teams that qualify for this right now, right? The Braves are on this list. The Indians are on this list. Good teams. The Rays are on this list. The Reds, of course. The Twins. The Padres are on this list. Who can qualify for this? Um, we'll see. But it's going to make them harder to sign, number one. That's been a fact over the couple of years. And it's going to make, it's going to damper the contracts these players get, let's put it that way, because of the compensation that's attached to signing that contract. So, you know, I don't think the pitchers are going to have any trouble. I think Trevor Bauer is going to get whatever he wants. But we'll see what happens with some of these position players. Because 
it's been, uh, let's just put it this way. I think the position player price is coming down across the league. Like DJ LeMahieu, he's probably projecting at around $21, $22 million a year, the Yankees second baseman. Um, I don't know if he gets that on the open market on a multi-year contract because of what comes with it. You know, if he goes and gets 56, if he gets three for 60, for instance, 20 million a year, that's going to be a competitive A balance uh, draft pick that, that, that gets forfeited from the signing team, generally speaking. JT Realmuto, the catcher, you know, the Mets are linked to him. A bunch of teams are linked to him. He's the best catcher available. Maybe, maybe the best position player available. You know, is his price going to be dampered? A price tag that could be 25 million a year. Same for George Springer. He's older. You know, he's been on a really good team. Is he worth being somebody's number one position player in terms of the batting lineup? at 22, 23 million a year. I'm not sure. And, uh, you know, Marcus Stroman, similar conversation to Kevin Gosman. Marcus Stroman may benefit from signing that offer with the Mets, becoming the Mets' number two pitcher, you know, you know, barring Syndergaard's situation, playing out a $19 million salary and betting on yourself again the year after. I think there's a pretty good argument for that, um, even though, you know, maybe he's worth three for 50 on the open market. So do you, do you go and try to hit that $50 million mark? If you're not getting $50 million, I think maybe you settle if you like your current team. If you're DJ LeMahieu, don't you think playing 19 million on one year with this Yankees team and trying to win the damn thing is maybe a little bit more worth it? You know, I understand his value has never been higher. And if somebody wants to overpay for him on the open market, by all means. But if his agent is kind of hearing through the tea leaves that the price tag is dropping because of this compensation, consider it. Consider staying with the Yankees. And uh, we'll see. It's a weird dynamic with how these qualifying offers have been used, utilized, declined. And then, like I said, how it's dampered their free agent prowess. So this is a, a small group, but an interesting group. The Trevor Bauer, Marcus Stroman, Kevin Gosman pitching staff, then the catcher in Real Muto, and then the, the uh, you know, the multifaceted bats in LeMahieu and Springer. Which one of these are going to benefit the most? I think Bauer is untouchable. I think he's going to decline. I think there's going to be multiple teams, especially on the West Coast, that are, you know, the Padres the A's and the angels, for instance, are going to be in and Bauer for sure. But I know, especially if it's a one-year tender, we'll see how that goes. Keep up with all here. We'll certainly be keeping up with the uh, free agency situation as it goes, but the, uh, the qualifying offers will be interesting to follow, at least initially speaking. Okay. Let's talk some football. We're just uh, almost all the way through week eight. We've got some mid-season awards to hand out, best values, worst values, all that fun stuff. Let's bring in Scott and I'll talk about it. All right, joined in the Monday show with Scott Allen. Scott, it's the midpoint of the NFL season. We've got to get back to the NFL after a, a long week of NBA here. And quite frankly, the Major League Baseball free agency is here as well. So the multi-sport world is going to kick back up pretty quickly. But let's take a minute, pause, kind of assess where this NFL season is right now and just kind of go back and forth on some rapid-fire headlines. You pick. You've got a list in front of you. You pick where you want to start with this thing because, uh, look, it's about quarterbacks, right? Right. There's not it much is. else to talk about. No, there's not. Not really. Yeah, let's start with the Baker, Darnold, Allen, Lamar problem. Let's just go there. Is it a problem? I mean, I'm gonna uh, give you the floor on this. So because I, I don't want to be biased in terms of contractual obligations. I know what I know what each are probably are gonna make in the next 18 months. So having said that, is Baker Mayfield worth an extension right now? Yes, I think so. I don't think it's going to be next man up for him, but I think he's he's shown that with the debacle that the Cleveland Browns have been, he is at least a viable option moving forward. Now, if the Browns are smart, they'll extend him so that they can spread some of that cap out. And then, you know, even if it's a two or a three-year extension, it doesn't have to be uh, 10 years. It could just be, all right, let's see what we have for the next couple of years. Now that we've put some pieces around him and, and go from there. I think Baker Mayfield's on a Jameis Winston path. I think Cleveland slow plays the heck out of this thing. Okay. They exercise the fifth year option. He gets to that fifth year option. He's maybe a franchise tag candidate. Maybe he's on the Kirk cousins path is what he's on. Right. Maybe they're thinking six years. We'll give this guy six years. Maybe. But look, he can't keep having these every other weeks like this. I mean, I mean, it's yin and yang. It just is. It's, it's crazy. And 
I know there's a lot of guys in that field, but there's nobody more important than this position. I mean, you can see how much, you know, look at this Baltimore-Pittsburgh game. Lamar Jackson couldn't throw the ball, and Ben could. I mean, that's why that's why the Steelers are 8-0. That's just a fact, or 7-0, whatever it is. So right. the, let's flip. I, I don't want to kill Baker too much. It's week eight. We, he had a rough 2019. He's had an up-and-down 2020. They don't have to do anything right now. They're not going to cut him. They're not going to trade him. I just don't think they're going to extend him either right now. To me, he's a, he's a no. If we're making this a yes or no question, he's a no for me right now. Sam Darnold? He's a no. He's a no. He's a no. Is he, but is he a, a no because no. of the Jets? Or is he a no because of Sam Darnold? No, because of the Jets. And it's funny because I just had a conversation with a guy yesterday who was actually delivering something, and he was a Jets fan, so I was a Bills fan. And we were having the conversation. I said, oh, it looks like they may be in – uh, you know, tank for Trevor mode here. But even if you put Trevor in in on that Jets team, he's yeah. not going to succeed just as much as Darnold isn't going to succeed because that team does not have the pieces anywhere on that team to make a quarterback successful right now. So it, it's a Jets organization problem, not necessarily a Sam Darnold problem. With, with Sam Darnold, what's the right way to say this? I have a, a very suspicious feeling that Sam Darnold is going to be the 49ers starting quarterback next year. And you know what? That that would probably be awesome for Sam Darnold, especially with Kyle Shanahan and what we saw him do with yes. Matt Ryan. Yes. I, it, Sam Darnold needs a new system. He need, he is one of those guys that we talk about that just needs a fresh organization and, and as a restart. And yeah. 49ers would be a perfect spot for him, I think. I think there's a very clear path to them releasing Garoppolo and acquiring Sam Darnold this March. Truly. I, I think it's a, it's a home. I know everybody's going to point to Matt Ryan, but let's be frank. They, they shouldn't take on, the Falcons shouldn't take on the dead cap to release Matt Ryan. Just shouldn't happen. Now, you know, if somebody wants to overpay via trade for Matt Ryan, go ahead. But I think there's one more year for Atlanta and Matt Ryan in terms of that contract. So, I don't think the 49ers wait. I think they go and acquire one of these young kids, whether it's, you know, maybe it's Matthew Stafford. Maybe they go and do something like that. But I think if you want to play, slow play it, keep keep your cap in good shape, Sam Darnold's a pretty good option because you're going to get him cheap. He, it's a buy low right now. I mean, he, he's got, you know, less touchdown passes than Mahomes threw yesterday. You know that? <laughs> Mahomes no, threw five touchdowns yesterday. Sam Darnold has four all freaking season. So, I mean, it's just not working there, but he's talented. Put him back out West. Yeah. Right. It's, it's not necessarily a a Sam Darnold issue. Like I said, it's more of a Jets organization problem and it's, you know, they're a complete debacle from front office to, but he's a no, you're right. If we're talking, if we're talking yes or no contract, he's a no, he's a no Lamar Jackson. Uh, he's a yes. He's a yeah. If it's a yes or a no question, yes, I think he does. Okay. Um, I, I I do think he's a yes, but I had him at forty two and a half million dollars coming no. into this year. Yeah, he's not. And I'm really struggling with that because he's just not making those throws right now. He's just not, and I don't know if it's. I'm not sure what it is. You know, I think the weapons are okay in that team. They probably could be better. But something's a little off right now with that roster offensively, even though the defense is so de- deep and, and built. And uh, I'm going to talk about that in a little bit here. But, boy, it's just been a weird eight weeks for Lamar. So I think he's got to turn the corner. I, I don't think it's a guarantee that any of those three guys I just mentioned get contracts this March when, when they become eligible. I don't think it happens. And even though I do think Josh Allen, who's next year, is a yes – I think the same thing. I don't think the Bills need to do it. They don't, right? They locked in the left tackle. They locked in the cornerback. They, they acquired their, their wide receiver one in digs for a first-round pick. They've kind of done the, laid the groundwork. But if they're not comfortable, you know, if they think they're going to be pigeonholed by putting Josh Allen on $39 million a year, then don't do it yet. You absolutely don't have to do it. He's not going to hold out, Right. Maybe you get teams coming to try to trade for him. Maybe, maybe, but why? 
because there's going to be a surplus again. You're going to have Dak Prescott, Matt Stafford, Jimmy Garoppolo. You're going to have, you know, players available, not to mention the draft picks. I, I, that's just something I mentioned this with Tannehill. I, I mentioned it a few times now. I just don't know who the Tennessee Titans were bidding against when they signed Tannehill. And I feel the same way about any of these quarterbacks. You have your own isolated situation with your guy right now. Every team does. Nobody else is pining for your quarterback, right? <laughs> Even if it's, you know, Joe Burrow, you know, you know, I understand he's incredible value, but nobody's going to try to rip your quarterback away from you for two first round picks. That's just not likely anymore. So slow play it. Let the rookie contract kind of breathe a little bit here, right? You don't have to do it. But the flip side of it is this. If you're Lamar Jackson in the Baltimore Ravens, are you looking at Cam Newton as a really good example of why you should extend players early? Because does that style of quarterback have an immediate shelf life? Is there a point where it's just going to stop? You can't do enough with the legs to cover for what you lack as a passer. And if that's the point, if that's what it is, then in order to keep him happy for the next four years, right? If it's a seven-year, if it's a seven-year cutoff for that style of running of quarterback, then after year three of that rookie contract, you lock him in for four years, guarantee two and a half or three of them, right? Almost fully guarantee the thing. And then with, with the understanding that that's going to be it for us. That's going to be it for us. And you can do the math on that extension to basically say, what's the four-year rookie contract plus the fifth-year option plus the franchise tag plus the franchise tag plus the franchise tag. Whatever that math is, you know, projected for Lamar Jackson, that's the extension. That's the four-year extension. To me, that makes the most sense here. It gets everybody, it keeps everybody happy. You, know, you pay the agent, pay the player, give a nice signing bonus. But I just wonder if we're starting to see that style of quarterback. And I'm worried about Mahomes, although Mahomes isn't running, running as much. Mahomes is, is adopting more of the Russell Wilson style, which is yes. just brilliant. But I just wonder if that's the approach you take. And, it, and oh, by the way, that's kind of Josh Allen, too. So that's why I was having this conversation here is do the Bills think Josh Allen is more like Lamar Jackson than they do a Mahomes in terms of the style of play? And if that's the case, gave him a four-year extension, you know, through, through seven years of active play. And with the, with the understanding that that's going to be it. We're not going to, this isn't going to be an Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, long 15 year career here. We're going to get this done in the next four. And if we don't win a Super Bowl, we'll move on and start over. I, I just think there's, there's malice to both sides. You know, if, if you're in the Baker Darnold camp, you don't want to move on a contract because you don't even know if that's going to be your quarterback in 18 months. But if you're Alan Lamar, if you can afford it, I think you do it next March just for, just to have, the good years locked in so you can get out when you need to. You don't want to be forced into a contract that starts two years from now and the guarantee money bleeds into age 30 when, look at Cam, you know? You're one bad injury away from the entire arsenal you have being demoted down 75%, which is what we're seeing with Cam Newton right now. Um, so there is, there is a benefit to extending players like that early, I think. But I'll, I'll, I'll take your thoughts for sure. I mean, where are you with Josh Allen, Scott? It's probably a bad week to talk about. It. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think it's a yes. I think they will extend him, whether or not they, like you said, slow play or not, remains to be seen. But I think he will get the extension. I, I think they've seen the growth. He still has some wishy-washy, you know, plays of what were you thinking there? Or he has that you can tell he is trying to go through his progressions, but he still has that mentality of I need to run first to get out. And then, you know, sometimes uh, like the one play that he, he was running out of bounds. And as he threw the ball, he had already stepped out of bounds. He, yeah. It's those mental decisions that he really needs to show growth from now until the end of the season that he is, you know, chipping away at some of those, idiotic moves that he does or idiotic mentality uh, plays and, and issues that we've seen him. Now he's got a hell of an arm. He can throw it. So that bodes well for him, but he can Scott, but you, you know what Bill Belichick did yesterday. He put about six defensive backs back yep. there and said, right. all right, you're going to beat us at eight with eight yard routes, but you're not beating us with 50 yard bombs. 
And Correct. that's going to be a thing. And if Buffalo can't run the ball, that's going to be a problem for them the next eight weeks. So to me, that's the problem with Allen. And maybe it's a coaching thing to go with it. There have been teams like Kansas City and Tennessee and New England who have figured out how to, how to stop Josh Allen by halftime. Correct. And he has not been able to turn the corner. Now, they've eked out wins because of, you know, good running and some dumb luck. But um, to me, that's the problem with him. He doesn't have that killer instinct or the mentality to overcome a little bit of anxiety, a little bit of pressure that you need, especially in this time of year. So you're right. It's just a little bit of growing up. I think he's got all the intangibles and tangibles to be the quarterback. But, you know, where I where I would say Lamar should be signed in March because of the athleticism issue I talked about, how there's going to be a, a drop-off with that, Josh Allen's shown taking a big step forward with his passing game this year, you know, where Lamar has not. So I'd put mm-hmm. Josh a little bit closer to go get your traditional contract in March. Whereas Lamar, I don't know where I am with him. If you had to, if you had to rank these four guys in terms of getting a contract in March, is it Allen, then Jackson, then Baker, then Darnold? Yeah, that's my order. And if you're, if you're the Buffalo bills, you've been struggling to find a quarterback for so long well, that you, you sort of, you need this to work out for the for them because they, I mean, it's just been hit or miss and hit or miss. And now you have a quarterback that is close to, you know, viable. I mean, you can still see it in his eyes. When you mentioned Mahomes, if you look at Mahomes' eyes, you can just tell he's got, all right, I, I, I have the confidence. I can go out there and I can do anything I want at any moment in time. He is the most Allen, capable player on the field every game. Every game. Allen, he has, you can he has the he has the under, more understanding. It's a little bit like Aaron Rodgers, where yes. you can just see, oh, that dude gets it all the time. He yep. knows what you're thinking and doing, even if your coach doesn't realize it. You know what I mean? Like one step ahead all the time. Mahomes is already there. That's just freaking nature. I, I mean, yep. that's that's not a downgrade to Allen or, or or Lamar. No, that's just how damn special Mahomes is. Yeah, the, the, he's seeing the matrix in, in super slow mo. Wh- yeah. Whereas Allen is, I think he's getting there, but he needs the he needs more repetition. He needs more coaching. He needs he needs a little bit of everything. But as long as he is growing, like we're seeing, as opposed to Darnold or you know, like you said, Lamar, where with his passing has sort mm-hmm. of regressed here. Um, Allen at least is showing the growth on a uh, weeks to weeks basis. Yeah. And I, I, I would put him as uh, one Lamar two, Baker three and, and Darnold four for sure. So the last time the bills went all in on a quarterback because they just needed a quarterback that they could become, become the f- face of the franchise. Do you know who that was? October 28th, 2011, right about now week eight. Is that the Fitzpatrick extension? Yeah. Ryan yeah. Fitzmagic gets a $55 million extension, $59 million extension in the middle of the year. Yeah, and we all gawked at it. And he was gone in about 12 months. So, um, you know, I think it's uh, perfectly okay for these franchises to slow play these rookie contracts. Perfectly okay. There's just no need to rush it. No, especially like you said, they have buffer. They've got the fifth year option. They've got a franchise tag you got at least two years buffer if you don't you don't like what you saw i mean we saw that in in washington with Kirk cousins they what, they what leverage does josh allen have you know to say you gotta pay me nothing right now i mean if he gets to the super bowl this year we can talk a little differently but there's just no leverage i mean that's the bar right now the bar is go to the super bowl <laughs> otherwise you're just like five other guys that we've been talking about here so let's flip the switch. Let's talk about guys who have gotten paid, who have been to the Super Bowl, because I think it's not looking good, <laughs> right? I mentioned Garoppolo. Right. Here's the list of players that I think are in trouble contractually that have been to a Super Bowl recently. Jimmy Garoppolo, Matt Ryan, Cam Newton, Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, and Drew Brees is on this list, because I don't know if you've watched, but I don't love anything the Saints have done. But somehow they're winning the division, or not winning, but they're right in the division, and it just feels like they're going to be hanging around all year. Which which of these quarterbacks is a starting quarterback next year? I give you a six. Garoppolo's a no, right? 
right out of the gate. He's a no. Yeah, he's a no. We've, we've been down that path. He's a no for me. They're going to have someone else next year at the helm. I think um, I, the, the, the key word here is starting. I think Matt Ryan's going to be a Falcon, but I bet there's a rookie starting in front of him. I bet you Justin Fields is starting in front of Matt Ryan next year. Are we staying st- starting week one? I- I'd say Matt Ryan is a starter week one. Okay. I think they just had a lot of really bad, bad luck with the losses that they've had. Um, yeah, we're going to see those the, the, guys uh, because they might trade three more players in the next 24 hours here. That, that is a good point. I mean, with me saying it now, it's assuming that their roster is what it is and, you know, bring in whatever draft picks and yeah. free agency and anything like that. So I'm going to go Matt Ryan is going to be there. I think um, probably from a financial sense, Jared Goff is going to be – I do not think Newton's going to be – you know, we, we were talking about this, what, four weeks ago, three weeks ago of Newton and what, what would the Patriots do of, do we, they extend him now, wait? And I think we came to the consensus of you wait to see where things are going to be towards the end of the season. We're yeah. starting to see it already. Right. Four weeks ago, we all had a hundred million dollars tag for Cam Newton. So I don't, I, I don't even think he's going to be with the Patriots next year. Um, and if so, he may not even be the starter at that point. Mm-hmm. Wentz, um, yeah, Super interesting. It it is. I got. I, I guess I'm gonna go 50-50 on Wentz, and then Breeze. As much as they're winning, he is not the Breeze that we. Why would he want to come know. back? Why would he want to come back to show an obvious decline? Just walk away from it, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's twenty five million dollars, so I can understand that part. <laughs> Yeah, especially as beloved as he is down there in, in New Orleans. Um, I'm going to say he's not there. Yeah. I'm going to say there's going to be a different starting quarterback in New Orleans, whether it's Taysom Hill or somebody else, Jameis Winston or whatnot. It, it's not going to be Breeze. I'm going to go with that. So I'm going to so say – There's a very clear path to Jared Goff being the only starting quarterback on this list of six players. No Garoppolo, no Matt Ryan, no Cam Newton, no Drew Brees, no Carson Wentz. Yeah, I, I'm still going to stick with Ryan and Goff. They're, they're going to be my my two that I'll say will be. And if I'm wrong, then I'll eat that crow. But um, <laughs> I'll go those two will be the starters. All right, look, week eight, we had a horrible – Look, the weather was bad. It's that time of year. It's that time of year on the East Coast, and the South is dealing with some weather as well. Quarterback play was awful, as you might expect. You know, some of the running games really stepped up. Dalvin Cook, of course, showed his value uh, up in Minnesota there. Defenses really led the day, though. All all across the board, these are defensive matchups. It's that time of year. It's run the ball, stop the ball, uh, you know, battle the elements. It's that time of year. Just off the top of your head, which teams are set up for that? Which teams do you think are built to kind of win this second half of the NFL season as we're mid, sit midway here? Because mm. it's really a time when teams come back down to earth. It is. I'm going to say Tennessee wasn't even good sh- until this time last year. No, they weren't. And that's when, what, Henry kicked it in. Run game, defense, everything. I, this is why I wanted to bring Baltimore back into the equation because Baltimore has shored up that defensive line. They have locked in some secondary pieces. You know, there may be another move to be made here in the last 24 hours of the trade deadline. I think they're going to be okay in, in terms of a wild card spot. Certainly Pittsburgh has it wrapped up. Pittsburgh acquired a linebacker this morning to kind of fill the place of Devin Bush, who was injured for the year. Why would you bet against them, right? Right. I mean, they're going to run the ball. Ben's going to be able to handle these elements. He's done it for 20 years. So they're on the top of this list for me. And look, that's my Super Bowl pick. So I'm, I'm loving what I'm seeing out of that Pittsburgh team right now. Nobody's out coaching Mike Tomlin. Nobody. And it's not going to happen the next eight weeks either. So that, that's a hell of a division to watch because I think those two teams are built for this, these next eight weeks. I, I think Tampa Bay probably is. Somehow that defense has just turned an immediate corner. That, that was a team that I was going to say. Um, and and look, say, they lost last night, but Chicago's defense is kind of rounding back into form here. And maybe they're a trade piece away 
I just don't know if they can score points. But defensively, they're okay. I don't know why they're not using David Montgomery. I don't know why coaches who take the job in Chicago decide, refuse to run the ball with quarterbacks that can't play. Like, what do you do? Pick one. Like, pick, pick one of them. Maybe they acquire a running back. Maybe they bring in Shady McCoy or somebody off who's sitting on a bench right now on a roster, you know, Jordan Howard, and just try to get that running game going a little bit. But I, the Bears are weird. Um, anyone else standing up for you? I mean, the Bills' defense was really good for eight weeks. I don't know that I trust anything about that defense right now, although there's probably two trades to be made to fix that. Well, but I, anyone else? Well, I, I was going to say the Rams because their defense has been really good up until yesterday's Every game. other week. Yeah, it's every other week. Chiefs, I mean, their defense yeah. has shown up. And obviously, they played the Jets yesterday, so <laughs> that's a asterisk there. But um, – Got 49ers, Tennessee. Got, yeah, Tennessee. I mean, there's some, there are some really good defenses. Uh, the, the Bills defense, I do not think they've just got so many holes. They can't stop the run. Um, when a team figures out the defense, they, they really do chew them up. So, you know, that that is a team that while they're six and two, they're they're gonna have to figure something out in the second half here to either at halftime figure things out or or offense is really going to have to start clicking. I mean, we saw their their run game started clicking with Zach Moss there. He's showing that he is going to be something special. So they may have a one-two tandem with that running uh, running game there. Um, I'm going to give you my sleeper team. And they're not really a sleeper because they're five and two, but they've kind of fallen out of, out of favor with a lot of people. Phil Rivers knows how to get it done in the regular season. That he does. And that Colts defense got a lot healthier the past two weeks. Uh, I think maybe they figured it out. I think maybe they're just starting to gel here. You know, there, there's a there's like a three-man running combo that's built for this second half of the NFL season. You know, Rivers has some weapons. T.Y. Hilton's hurt again, so maybe there's a trade to be made there for a Golden Tate type player. Uh, or maybe you can get Brandon Cooks out of Houston, something like that, more splashy. But it, I think that team's starting to figure it out, and I like – I like them surpassing Tennessee at some point in the next two weeks here and taking over that division and maybe possibly becoming the third best team in the AFC if they continue on a good path. So that's a team that's set up from a run game, from a defensive game. Um, you know, the NFC is weird because the good teams, like, like look at the division winners right now. The division leaders are the Eagles, the Seahawks, the Packers, and the Saints. I don't like any of those defenses. And, and in terms of run games, Aaron Jones is hurt, so the Packers have nothing. You know, Kamara's playing well, but that offense is just weird right now. The Eagles Sorry. are – Miles Sanders is hurt for the Eagles. The Seahawks have, are, are on, like, running back four and five right now because of injuries. They're totally banged up. So the run games are a mess in the NFC. Um, so that's just got to get healthier. So who's going to – you know, is a healthy Aaron Jones going to push the Green Bay Packers to the top of this, this conference? I think there's a very good chance of that. But of those four teams, who's the best defense? Hmm. I don't know. It's an awful question. It, it it's an is. awful question. I, I, I'd probably have to go with the Bucks. Yeah, you're right, who are tied with the Saints. I, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I'd probably have to go with the Bucks. So the, the clear path right now is Bucks pittsburgh Steelers-Bucks? In your Super Bowl, is that what you would say midweek here or midseason? Yeah, if it's defense wins championships, it's not too bad, yeah, right? Which would, yeah, but in, in what makes it super interesting, Antonio Super. Well, the Super Bowl is in Tampa. Come on, Antonio Brown against the Steelers in the Super Bowl. That's and, the story. Never, no, it is, it is. But I'm saying it's never happened where the Super Bowl right. has been in the home team's stadium. So the fact that you would have that on top of Tampa Bay in Tampa Bay for the Super Bowl with Tom Brady, who moved teams. I mean, <laughs> uh, these storylines just write themselves. I think you're right. I think you're right. I think, I think, look, I, I'm saying the Steelers, but uh, do you even think the Steelers are the best team in the AFC or are you putting this on the chiefs? I, I'm going chiefs. Yeah. I think it's hard to bet against Mahomes, right? It it is. But, man, the Steelers, they are a juggernaut. I think it would be awesome to see Chiefs-Steelers in that championship game uh, to go to the Super Bowl. 
And then I, I'm still sticking with my, my pick of the Seahawks. Yeah. Um, yeah, Russ is the I, I MVP right Baltimore. now. There's no question. Oh, ab- absolutely. I yeah, mean, he's the MVP. That, that team on offense, they have unlocked the keys to wherever sports car that they gave him and said, go. And I mean, it's just if that defense can do whatever they can to just prevent yeah. the other teams from scoring and, and being in a shootout, then well, they got to get Jamal Adams healthy. And then that'll help the secondary quite a bit. Um, you know, there's some pieces they could acquire. They did get Carlos Dunlap out of Cincinnati to help the defensive line. Maybe there's a linebacker trade coming. Cause a couple of hanging out there on the trade deadline block. So I, I don't know. I mean, that that's a team that loves to give up draft picks. They don't like keeping draft picks and, and credit to them. They like to get better mid season. They like to make adjustments. Pete Carroll's very, very good at that in terms of uh, what he's dealt with. But yeah, I wouldn't count on Seattle by any means. Here's the thing. I'm kind of silently rooting for the Steelers because of the contractual situation that they're dealing with. You know, what are they going to do with Ben next year if Ben wants to come back because his cap hit is astronomical? It's going to be like mm-hmm. it's going to be like literally half, you know, a third of the league cap. So what do you do with that? Uh, do you have to extend him just to keep him in the fold? Juju Smith-Schuster and James Conner are both on expiring contracts. So are you going to rebuild your entire weapon set? you know, with pick with Claypool and Washington, Deontay Johnson, and then running back X. So I, I just love that. You've got kind of a, a team that's all in contractually right now, a sitting at the top of the AFC versus the Chiefs, who just spent $300 million on contracts, you know, guaranteed on six core guys. They're kind of set in stone. It's kind of trending towards dynasty world here, uh, which is interesting in its own right. But I'm kind of favoring the Steelers because of what could happen next March with that, with that roster. All right. Yeah, and if I mean, if the Steelers do win, I mean, Ben can ride off into the sunset. And you think he would? Know. Is that is that is that the plan? I I, I think yeah. I'm gonna say yes. If, yes would or no, Brady yes. do that? I would. Ooh. Breeze absolutely would. Yeah, so would Rivers. I think Rivers Rivers yeah. would. Yeah. I, I'm going to say no to Brady. I yeah, think Br- Brady, if he ended up winning it, he would come back and say, all right, let's do it again. I'm going to just keep Look, we talk about the, the, my the Belichick, the Patriots thing all the time, and that's like kind of like the hot take topic. I think the only thing that matters to Tom Brady, truly, is playing football when he's 45. He keeps saying yes. it, and, and I think it matters. I, I think he wants to write the damn book. He's already written a bunch, but I think he wants to write the book on how to play professional sports until you're 45 years old. So that's the most important thing here. He just needs to be out there and functional at that age because he's been saying it all along. I'm playing until I'm 45. So win or not, I think he's definitely coming back. And he may not even be done after this contract. We'll see. All right, last thing here, Scott. Uh, you know, we, we obviously track the numbers. And one of the things we can do kind of quickly is look at value teams versus who's getting killed from a financial standpoint. And let's just keep it easy, right? How much how much cap is being allocated this year versus how, how well are you doing on the standings? Who are the good, cheap teams versus the bad, expensive teams, right? That's that's our midseason yeah, right. awards. These are our midseason awards that we're giving out in terms of wins versus money. Let's start with the bad. Obviously, it's Houston. Houston's the worst value oh, team in all of football, and it's not even close. Um, no. They've got the fifth most cap dollars allocated this year, and they're one and six. And I think they're selling. I, I, I officially added J.J. Watt to the trade piece today, along with Brandon oh, Cooks, wow. Zach Cunningham, and Kenny Stills and Will Fuller. They're all there. Because I think if somebody calls on J.J. Watt, J.J. Watt will say yes. And by the way, it's J.J. Watt's decision. <laughs> it's not Houston's decision. So, yeah, especially if it's one of those teams we've been talking about that their aspirations to the uh, Super Bowl are there. I mean, he's a guy that obviously wants to get get that ring with the accolades that he's already. If the Packers come called, so you say yes, right? He went to school in Wisconsin. I mean, that that's that's the one franchise I could see this working for. Now, the Packers don't generally do anything at the deadline, but I think they're in on Will Fuller. So do you just do a package deal and bring Will Fuller and J.J. Watt to Green Bay for a stretch run? I don't think it's the worst idea mm-hmm. because if they're having the conversation we just had looking at NFC defenses, just get better. 
just get better. Just get a little bit yeah. better, and you're going to be better than Seattle, and you're going to be better than the Saints, and, and I think it's right there for the taking. So uh, Houston's got to sell some parts because, oh, by the way, they have no notable draft picks, none. Is um, I, I'll throw it out there. What, what do you think of him possibly going to Pittsburgh with his two brothers? Yeah, it's been yeah. out there, but I don't think Pittsburgh wants it. Pittsburgh doesn't want to give away no. draft picks right now. They gave away one yeah. last year from Micah Fitzpatrick, and it worked out gangbusters. And like I said, they did just acquire a, a middle linebacker for like a fifth round pick. So I think they're buying low right now. And it probably costs a little bit too much to go in on J.J. Watt, even though he's kind of a shell of who he used to be. But yeah, of course, the, you, can't, you can't write that script any better if that would be, that would be the case. Uh, I just think Green Bay is kind of in on all of Houston right now. So that, that marriage probably needs to come to fruition in the next 24 hours here. Yeah, and, it, and like you said, that the NFC is sort of, while there are good teams, they're not, they're no. are not great, great for the teams. Taking, so right? it's, it's sort of like in the NBA, the East, it's, you know, who, who wants to show up and yeah. who's going to take it. And uh, NFC at this point is in, in that kind of boat. And, yep. I, I think that's a, that would be a good pick. I, Seattle, I could see potentially wanting to make a move like that. I mean, like you said, they like to make moves, and you know, mm-hmm. they're they're right there. Um, yeah. Um, here's the other two worst expensive teams. I, I don't hate these teams. I, I think Carolina has overachieved at three and five, even though they've got their their sixth in cap. A lot of that cap, by the way, is dead cap because of retirements, releases, the cam, things like that. So I think they've overachieved. And oh, by the way, they get McCaffrey back this week. So is that going to be a plus 500 team at the end of the year? They might be. So I'm going to, I'm going to. They might be. And anyone that bet the, the Panthers to be at the bottom. I mean, they were the favorite, they were, right? They, they were the they Vegas were the favorite, favorite to be like the worst three, team in football. Yeah. Like three and a half wins or something. So crazy, <laughs> crazy. And then the Lions, who are kind of in the same boat. I mean, they're 10th in cap. They're three and four. I think they're an eight and eight team when it's all said and done. Um, and they've got a quarterback question more than they anything. They've got, they've, got a, they've got a guy in Galladay who's probably getting a franchise tag at this point because it seems like they're far away on money talk. And they got a Matthew Stafford contract situation that they have to at least figure out, whether that's keep him for one more year, whether that's try to trade him or outright release him. To me, it, all three are in play at this point. So um, there's your worst expensive teams. Here's your best cheap teams. I mentioned Tennessee. They're 30th in cap in five and two. So you can't really argue that. But I do think they're sliding downward. I do think that maybe teams have figured that that roster out a little bit. And I expect Indy to jump them in the, in the standings pretty quickly. The Saints are 25th in cap. they got a lot of rookies on that roster. Yes, they've paid Kamara. Yes, Breeze is somewhat expensive. And Michael Thomas as well. But, you know, they're going to be there at the end of the year. They're going to be right in the thick of this thing with Tampa Bay in that division. And then this is the team I want to spend a little time on, Scott. Arizona's 5-2. and two. They're 24th in cap. They've got the rookie quarterback who has progressed a lot in 2020. They've got a wide receiver arsenal that's great. They've got three legitimate running backs who really haven't done anything. The running back position has to take a step forward here, even though Kyler is kind of leading the rushing attack. Um, and they need defensive help across the board. They have no pass rush. Chandler Jones is out for the year. This is a team that needs to acquire a legitimate pass rusher and maybe a cornerback as well. Um, I would expect them to be active. If they think they can win that division, and they should, I would expect them to be active. So are they a year away in your, your opinion? Do they wait to the offseason to make some significant moves, even though you know the Hopkins move was certainly significant to start the year? Or do they just uh, go all in here on somebody? My gut is to say go all in. Okay. Before having to deal with, uh, you know, waiting another year is one more year closer to Kyler having to uh, have an extension um, and, and anyone else that trickles down. You never know point. what's going to happen. You never know what's going to happen with injuries, especially a running quarterback. Like we just talked, you know, we just talked about Allen and Lamar and, and Newton in the drop off. If you have a quarterback like, Kyler I think you have to go all in especially the fact that you went all in to get Hopkins there you might as well just dive all the way in and acquire whether it's a a defensive player if it's a running back to help with Drake there 
Um, I, I think they have to do man and to top it all off. We just said that the NFC is wide open as it is. So mm-hmm. why not be the team that makes that big splash blockbuster that puts you over the top that will get you into right now, they would be a wild card, put, put, push yourself all in um, before it gets too late. There's two positions I think they well, I, they do need a pass rusher. That's going to be easier said than done. But I do think there are two legitimate positions they can upgrade right now. I think they can pull a David and Joku type player in terms of a tight end or an Evan Engram out of the Giants and upgrade the tight end position right now. There's three, three or four tight ends on the block right now. You know, Jacob Hollister out of Seattle, if they want to go in division, probably won't happen. The other one is, look, New England's for sale. And Stefan Gilmore's sitting there for the waiting. If you're not going to pay Patrick Peterson next year on an expiring contract here, but you want to come, you want to, you know, bring in an immediate number one shutdown cornerback that you have to pay, bring in Stefan Gilmore right now out of New England. Be the team to pull Stefan Gilmore out of the Patriots organization. You know, make him a rental player. See if you can work out a deal with him in the offseason. If not, you know, you, you made your push on the right side of that of that of the secondary. I think Arizona's in on some big, big players on the defensive side of the ball and maybe a tight end. I agree. They should push. They're a sneaky good team. That offense can really go when, when, when it's clicking on all cylinders. And uh, that offensive line knock on what has been crazy healthy, which not a lot of teams can say that right now. So that's a team I'm identifying who's kind of sitting on the fringe. You know, them and Buffalo. Buffalo's on the fringe right now in the AFC, even though they're leading their division. They're fringe contender. They've got to make maybe two trades right now. I put Arizona in the same boat. Two trades, get yourself over that hump and make a push. But it's risky business. It is. I've got a trade for Arizona. You may hate it. People will probably balk at it. But what about Zeke Elliott to Arizona? I mean, it just seems like with the way Dallas is going, I mean, if they love him, okay, great. But, I mean, you've been talking about how that's probably a piece that needs to be traded anyways. We saw what they were – yesterday it just seems like you know if you want to upgrade that that's probably a player that could fit on that arizona team plug and play and you know i, I gotta be that i gotta, I, I gotta I say something about about zeke scott and it's not it's a little bit more global and, and there's not enough data really to to point to it accurately yet but i think it's worth at least saying players that have battled covid are having really weird years, you know, and there's probably a handful off the top, especially in the offensive side of the ball. And I don't know if it's related in any way or if it's maybe changed their mindset for 2020. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. maybe if it's not physical, maybe it's not a stamina thing or anything like that. Maybe it's just, man, this thing got me and it screwed my season a little bit. And now I, I'm mentally checked out even a little bit. Zeke just doesn't look like Zeke at all. And maybe that's a Dallas Cowboys problem. But it could just be a Zeke problem, too. Cam Newton, I mean, was an MVP candidate four weeks ago. And he can't even throw the ball 12 yards now. And, you know, is that a Patriots problem? Is that a Cam Newton problem? Is that a COVID mental problem? I, I just, it's, it's worth talking about because at least, you know, there's, there's five players, maybe five players out there right now that have battled through this thing that just came back and have not been the same. And I don't know if it's physical or mental or just a coincidence, but. I don't know if I'd trade anything for Zeke Elliott right now is my point. Truly. I don't know if that's the guy I want on my team right now uh, until I can see a little bit more and, and have him regain some of his athleticism because, look, he's, a, he's an average running back right now. And that's a bad recipe on that price tag. So um, it's an interesting thought because and, – and even if you're not thinking about it from Arizona's point of view, you're thinking about it from Dallas's point of view – He's the guy that has to go. I mean, I had James later on a couple of weeks ago. That's the that's the first play you think about. You know, that's the that's the contract you probably regret right now. And he's the first guy you probably want to trade, but can it even happen? Can you trade that contract? <laughs> I mean, anything's tradable. I mean, yeah, David Johnson, if, if we, right? If, if we've learned anything between some of the trades that have happened or even in the NBA, the, like we've talked about, any contracts movable. I mean, it just is. If you're Arizona, I, I think you've got to pick, pick which one you want to go with in the next, what, 
12, uh, 24 hours or so here, figure out what you want to do. And I think they've got to go all in. And if uh, a, a player like Zeke or a player mm-hmm. of on the defensive side that you think is going to get you gangbusters better, um, th- then I think they've, they've got to do it. E- even if Zeke looks in a way, a, a shell of himself right now, um, who's to say in the next couple of weeks, you know, he's not much better in new scenery. We, we, we see what the Dallas Cowboys are. I'm sure that is, is um, hurting them mentally as, as a team, whether you're Zeke or uh, the 50th player on that roster. Yeah, uh, Losing just isn't fun. We've been through it through our sports. It's not fun at all. And it, it, it kills the mentality and the, the camaraderie of a team. So may, maybe moving, if they want to get out of that contract, maybe now's the time to, to try to move them to a team that really wants them. And, you know, if, if you're a team that thinks we're one step away, then you've got to take a look at it. Here's the problem. I'll give you the business approach because that's obviously where it's going to come down to. Do you honestly think Jerry Jones is going to move on from Zeke Elliott after paying him $26 million <laughs> over the past two seasons on this new no. contract? No, that's probably not. That's just too much pride to swallow there, right? It is, but if you look at it from a business standpoint, the really good business people that are out there, they know when to cut ties. And if they've got to swallow a loss, they'll do it for the the betterment of moving forward. So maybe um, if... I think Amari Cooper gets traded before Zeke Elliott. Okay. I think he's probably the name that's dangling out there, but there's probably not many takers. For obvious reasons, um, but that's not that's actually interesting for the Colts. Now that we look back on this conversation a little bit, right? But again, Mario Cooper yeah, just got a hell of a lot of money. You know, are you just going to flip that? You give him a first round pick, you extended the guy. Finally, at the, you know, he's in the first year of his hundred million dollar contract. You paid him twenty million dollars this year, or you know, eighteen and change, prorated for the the salary. You're just going to move on from that. You know, how much yeah. is a second round pick worth to you? Or, you know, Jerry says we're going to stay status quo and we're going to really work on that defense and <laughs> bring in some. Uh, uh... My answer is this, because it, it's easy to look at $20 million this year for Amari Cooper as, oh, my God, they can't get rid of him then. But that's what that's what wide receivers are worth right now. I mean, that's just the going rate on an annual basis for a top wide receiver. And if he's not your top wide receiver and you don't want to pay $20 million next year, which is what it's going to cost, then you move him for the second round pick. And you, you take you that do. second round pick and you draft somebody, you know, I'm, I'm not even sure they need to replace a wide receiver right now because of Gallup and CD lamb, you know, so you draft a left tackle for Christ's sakes, you draft a cornerback, mm-hmm. you know, something of value and you get your cap, right? Because let me tell you, I'm, let's finish on this Scott. I, I tweeted it out this morning. They do not have a quarterback problem. If Dak Prescott is healthy, Dak Prescott's the quarterback in Dallas. Because after seeing now eight weeks of football, four of which Dak was here, or five of which Dak was available, there's not, there's not five quarterbacks better than Dak Prescott. There's not five. And that's sort of what I was alluding to. If, do you just slow play it and keep the status quo with your with Zeke, with Amari, and, and anyone else on that offense, and hope that Dak can come back and and be no. You know, not- My answer would be no to you. My answer is you probably can't move Zeke, so you should move Amari because it's right okay. for your business. It's it's right for your business. It, it is. Let's get this cap and cash off of our payroll. Let's let's eat the signing bonus. And let's get this thing headed in the right direction for next year because we've got an offensive line problem. We've got four offensive linemen who we thought we were going to have for the next five years. I'm not sure we're going to have two of them ever again. So we need to figure this out um, and get younger and cheaper and better at that, at that position right now, because I mean, it was clear as day. Anyone who watched Saturday night football, like Chris Collins were spent an hour and a half talking about the fact, how the, the fact that, you know, the only place that the offense can run through right now is through right guard, Zach Martin. He's the only viable option on that offensive line. He's the only place Zeke Elliott will run and Tony Pollard will run. So that's going to be exposed, obviously. <laughs> um, so you've got to get your cap right. You've got to be able to buy low on some draft picks. 
And if, Mar- if, if a team like the Colts or the 49ers come calling for Amari Cooper, you sell. You sell. Yeah, Anything else? I agree. You're comfortable uh, with your, your Super Bowl picks? Yeah, I'm going to stick with uh, still Chief Seahawks. halfway through here. Um, I have, um, what, Seahawks and Baltimore, I think I had. That's right. You went Baltimore. Oof. So I went Baltimore. All right. So you're I, in I'm Lamar gonna, then. I, I am, but, you know, through eight weeks, the Chiefs, you know, they're, they're just a juggernaut. Yeah. I, I'm sure the Chiefs are going to overtake the Ravens or even the Steelers at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I'll stick with what I have with uh, Seahawks, Ravens. Last thing I have for you is who do you, who do you think based on tea leaves or whatever you've seen, who is going to move in the next 24 hours? Yeah. The biggest name. Yeah. Um, who do you, I want it to think? be Gilmore. I want the Patriots to accept what they are and to, and to sell high because I don't think there's a contract for Gilmore next year. So, you know, get some value right now. They can trade him this off season. So there's a, there's a good chance Belichick just slow plays that and waits till March to trade him. But he's the big name on my list right now. And I updated the, the trade list this morning because there's really just been some movement. Um, outside of that, you, you know, Minnesota winning, does that change anything? I don't know. You know, Atlanta winning, does that change anything? It shouldn't. They should move two, play, two more players, maybe a couple offensive linemen. Um, but outside of that, you know, again, we talked Houston. That's a team I want, I want to move. I, I'd, I'd love to see Brandon Cooks move to Indy and, and give Phil Rivers a, a legitimate chance down the stretch here in that AFC. Um, Has there you know, been more or less than you expected? No, it's been about right. But, you know, deadlines for actions. Uh, thank you, Andrew Brandt. And uh, we're, hit, we're hit, coming up against it here. So, you know, will we see a run here? Will we see maybe two tight ends go, two defensive linemen go, a couple of cornerbacks on this list? I think we will. And, uh, you know, there's some franchise players out there, too. We talked Watt. We didn't mention Ryan Kerrigan. You know, Washington says they're not going to move him, but teams want him, and he wants to go. So does it get down to a point where they just say, fine, let's just do this for the fifth-round pick we're going to get back, whatever it's going to be. So, you know, those are something to watch. You know, does Kyle Rudolph get a little love with for a late round pick from somebody? Outside of that, I, you know, I don't expect AJ Green to go. The Falcons are saying Julio Jones is going nowhere, even though I think that's a mistake. So it's about it's about teams. It's about Houston selling, the Falcons continuing to sell. Minnesota, I think, could move one or two more players, and the Jets and Giants are just open for business. You know, I just have them on speed dial for the entire day, <laughs> the whole day and uh, try to get a player like Quinn Williams out of New York. We'll see what happens. All right, okay. here's, your final, here's your final point. NFL futures, we're, we're halfway through the season here. The Chiefs are a big favorite now, like 250 points ahead of everybody else. They are plus 350 to win this whole thing with the Steelers next, mm. then the Bucks, then the Seahawks, then your Ravens. Okay. Which of these teams after this has the best chance? Packers plus 1,200, Saints plus 1,300, Bills plus 2,100, Colts plus 2,500. Mm. Mm-hmm. Defense and running, baby. Mm. I'm taking the Colts all day. Plus 2,500, 25 to 1? I'm taking them. Yeah, yeah, that's I'm good. Taking Packers, them. too. I, I like that Packers one, too. I don't think I would touch the Bills. Look, the Seahawks at plus 800 is really good. It is. That's really good. That's good value there, especially if they do have one more trade left in them here. Because that's because that's the thing. You got to do it right now. Yeah, but I, th- I think you're right. With If you want to throw five, ten bucks on it, the Colts are probably a, a, an extreme Do it. Value. Do it before they acquire Brandon Cooks, because once that trade processes, these odds are going to change. So get your receipts now, people. Get that 25 to 1 now. Um, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. But there's some uh, – it's a weird year. The Chiefs are clearly ahead, and Vegas agrees. But, look, if you – I was on the Steelers early. They're still 6 to 1. If you think the Steelers can rough up the Chiefs in the AFC, AFC championship game, you know, that's not bad odds either. So it's, uh, it's one of those years where there's a lot of unknowns, and it's going to be another big-time quarterback offseason. That's, that's what we're taking away from this episode, Scott. Yeah, it is. 
two hundred million dollars for Dak Prescott? Is it coming? <laughs> I think it's coming. Um, yeah, probably. Yeah, hey, we we week twelve we get Chiefs Bucks. Hey, Thanksgiving night we get another episode of Ravens Steelers. Thanksgiving night. Oh, that's so good. Don't eat too much turkey. Stay away for that one. All that right, my thanks good. to the athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash spot track for forty percent off your first year subscription for Scott Allen. My name is Mike Gennetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Track Podcast.